They are the boys in the back room. We have a guy who works in the back, Eric Jones. He's the big German. Be nice to Marvin. He'll be taking your calls today. Chat row, Tyler, the moderator, handling the duties there. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan was getting us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics on this program. You know who? Blame Mario. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the uh, backroom guys are not allowed to eat until 12.15. You're now listening to the 12.15 Club. Welcome back to another edition of the 12.15 Club. It is my area. I am back on the mic this week, joined by Eric Jones and Dylan Grady. I was out last week, had a minor procedure Dan alluded to. Thank you to everybody who... You know, send me a message or Ryan Honolulu gave me a shout out on air the other day. So I appreciate that. I'm doing well. I'm in good spirits. Morale's high. I should be back in the studio in no time. But today we have Seton O'Connor on, our friend, our buddy, what? one of our favorite Danettes. Um, I'm, I'm we, one of your four favorite Danettes, I think. Top four. Yeah. That works for me. He, he's top four of our favorite Danettes. We wanted to get into a couple of things with him. Seton, so earlier this week, you alluded to there was a squirrel. In your attic. Oh, dude. Yeah. During the show. Yeah. What's been like that, that, that dynamic of doing the show at home? Um, like having your, your wife there and your son there and like trying to manage being on air and then having like real life home issues to deal with. Yeah. I mean, the only issue really, uh, and it's not even an issue anymore because we dealt with it is I have three dogs um, and they bark a lot. Uh, so that's a little bit of an issue, but at a certain point, you just kind of have to embrace that, you know, you're home, you're not in a studio environment and life is going to happen. So you just sort of roll with it. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I do try to manage a lot is actually not getting in the way here. You know, like my wife has her own schedule and my son, he's been homeschooled now since March and he has his own schedule and they have their own routine and it and it operates really well. And then they don't need me every 15 minutes walking out of this studio room being like, hey, I'm hungry. Or what are you guys doing? Or, you know, like I distract my kid. He's trying to be in school. And my wife is like, would you get out of here? You know, he's trying to do his math, you know. So that's actually more of an issue than doing the show is the show is super smooth. Do you almost kind of feel like a prisoner in that room or do you leave? No, 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 definitely not. It's no, it's actually great. It's like really relaxing. Um, you don't I try to keep an, an eye on the time a lot because you're not as aware of how long five minutes is here. So like we'll have breaks that are, say, five minutes long. And in the studio, you know, when it's starting to wind down. But here I could be out getting coffee in the kitchen. And then I'm like, oh, crap, how long have I been here? And you've got to like run back. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. that's a little weird. What what do you enjoy uh, least about doing the show from home? It, no, it, you know, you're kind of disconnected. Mm-hmm. So that's a little weird. Um, the show is different because a lot of stuff, a lot of content that we figure out happens in the breaks. You know, or you're just around being around Dan. I don't like not being around Dan um, mm-hmm. because he, you know, like there's just a certain energy there or you can pick up what kind of mood he's in, you know, like, is he super goofy today or is he serious? Is he in a good mood? Is he in a bad mood? You know, it's hard. It's really hard to read that stuff from from here. Yeah, Eric. This is pretty behind the scenes. But the other thing I noticed, um, Seton is as I think most of the fans know, you deal with all of our sponsors. And so um, as we get towards the end of the year and we look at, you know, maybe new sponsors or things are changing. One of the big issues that we fought behind the scenes is package deliveries. It's a big deal and you're not here to receive them. And sometimes there's a little, 
you know, something arrives or it doesn't arrive or like a couple of weeks ago, they said it arrived, but there's no video footage of it ever arriving. So um, I'm sure that's probably a limiting factor for you too. And it's actually the exact same as if I was in studio, I wouldn't get the deliveries either. <laughs> so being home, it's like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, and otherwise man. you get zero. percent. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm actually less frustrated because I'm like, well, I'm not there. So if it's there, it's there. Who knows? But you know what, yeah, though, there's there is something about like being home, though, um, that like there, you know, I'll get up at six o'clock. Normally, I, I wake up at five thirty to get to the studio. But now I'll wake up at six o'clock here. I can I work out. Then I go downstairs and start work. So it's like the schedule is way different, you know, and it's a lot more friendly to uh, just like where I live and how I live kind of thing. Whereas before I'd get up at five thirty just to get into the studio for like seven or seven thirty. Now I'm. Um, you know, you just have to walk downstairs. So there's, there's a lot of benefits to it for sure. Uh, Dill. Yeah. That was like, I mean, I got a, I had a taste of the working from home life for about three days and uh, I definitely didn't get up early to work out or anything like that, but just being able to roll <laughs> over and turn on my computer is pretty nice bonus. So good, dude. Yeah. It's like, you could just leave it on your coffee table, like or in your nightstand. Yeah. Whatever. You don't even have to get you out turn of turn 90 degrees. And then, and, and all right, I'm at work now, Eric. I might be one of the few people left in America that hasn't worked from home a single day during this pandemic. Um, but I actually will say for me, I like the half hour commute that I have. Um, I get to listen to a podcast. I kind of get to decompress. Not that I'm going home to a stressful home environment or anything, but I wonder, Seton, I know you're a big podcast guy. Do you feel maybe disconnected a little bit from that world uh, because you're not having that time? Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things, too, that I like, I just on the ride in, I'll spend like five or 10 minutes. My commute's usually about 60 minutes um, in the morning. So I'll spend like five or 10 minutes listening to see like what other sports talk radio people are talking about to see like, you know, maybe there's probably some headline that I missed or something like that. Or um, like I'll usually when I wake up, I'll brush my teeth and I'll check headlines there just to see what I missed. But yeah, that commute, I do miss. um, I do kind of miss listening to to podcasts and and music and even just sometimes driving in the car with nothing on, you know, and it's just some time to like decompress maybe or something. I don't know. Just the silence is kind of nice. So um, I miss that a little bit, but not not too much. We also had so we had Michael Buble on today and I wanted to bring back your singing to him. And I had a question (laughs) to follow up with it. Um, So here's that. Seton O'Connor. Oh, you guys are killing me. Well, you know, Michael, I was thinking since you sort of brought back that style of like that crooner style, I think what we're missing right now is more of the Bing Crosby's of the world. The sort of come late, holy, pum pum. I think that there's a market for that right now. More of a modern I think so thing. Too. So see, is that like off the cuff? Do you prepare that at all? I know you guys had talked about it a little bit prior to the show, but like what was your mindset going into that? Uh, so that's actually just like a little bit of view of what my home life is like. Like I'm always doing impressions and stupid stuff like that, you know, and I'm just I try to uh, I just try to get my wife and my son to laugh. You know, I'm always trying to get them to crack up. And we just decorated our Christmas tree the other day. And I was doing that impression uh, of of that stupid like Bing Crosby thing. And I went on for like 15 minutes trying to be Bing Crosby, probably too long. And it's probably really annoying. But it just so happened to come in handy here that I'm like, oh dang, I could just do like a Bing real quick. And so it was in the moment that's it just popped into my head where I was like, oh, that's what I'll do. I'll do Bing Crosby. But I I had been doing it just the other night. Yeah, Eric. 
So you basically trained your whole life for that moment. And it was kind of funny because uh, there was, it was almost a duet. Like he started singing with you and because of the dynamics of zoom, I don't think we fully picked it all up, but I mean, that was kind of, I, I can only imagine the surreal moment there where you're, um, you're duetting with Michael Buble. Yeah, it's, there really are, you know, there are these moments that sometimes I don't know if we fully appreciate them um, in, in the moment, but that one, I was just like, hold up, wait a minute. I just sang Little Drummer Boy as Bing Crosby to Michael Buble. Like, those are things that just don't happen in your normal everyday workplace. You know what I mean? And it just, yeah, it really did hit me as like a, oh my God, dude, what are we doing? This is crazy. This is what we do for work. Like, it, it really hit me as like just a, a, a wild moment. And even when then I, you know, I posted something on social media about it. And then when the show was over, I went out and my wife was like, oh my God, you did? You did Bing for him? Like, so she could, she had just been listening to it this whole time. She's like, Oh my God, you did. Can we listen to it? Are you going to post the clip or you, whatever? So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to do that. But yeah, what a, what a funny moment, man. Like Dan has a way of this show and Dan has a f- way of doing that, you know, that you just find yourself in these weird scenarios where like, yeah, it, it seems like Dan Marino, Dan Marino should be throwing a football with me right now. And then you're like, Holy crap. It's like my childhood hero. What's been like the craziest, most surreal thing that you've done with whether it's an athlete or celebrity on the show? Man, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's probably up there as one of them, because I just like you. It's just not a scenario you ever imagine, especially because just like a week ago, we were, you know, I mean, we're kind of making fun of the guy, you know, I mean, (laughs) not even kind of. I mean, we were, you know, and we were being like real jerks, probably. I know that I probably was. uh, And he's just like. Oh, okay. Sees the segment and like, all right, well, let me get in front of these dudes and like, I'll just win them over, you know, because like I know that I'm awesome. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. That kind of says a lot about who who he is, you know, and and what kind of person he is. But yeah, right now I'm kind of riding that wave of of madness like Michael Buble. <laughs> Dill? Well, yeah, for one, I uh, I think probably like you guys, Seton, I was like purely judged him based off his music before. And I was like, I bet this guy's going to be such a dork. Um, but he was actually the man. Um, awesome. But also I do in terms of like, uh, the last question, like a surreal moment or something. I remember you told mentioned to me a while back about like Pedro Martinez, like hand holding a baseball. And you were just like, you described it as like, you just like the way he was holding, you're like, that guy is just, it's like a different relationship or something like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I played baseball my whole life. Right. Right. Up until I was like 18 years old or something, you know, so that's not my whole life, but you know, my whole sport athletic life, I, I always played baseball. It was like my number one sport. And I never held the baseball the way Pedro Martinez holds it. You know, I mean, I was a pitcher for it just like, looks. Oh different. yeah. He, he just, he has a way of gripping it off his fingertips. And then he's like, Oh no. And even he'll, he'll shuffle it around in his hand. And you're like, dang, man, that dude is like, it's a whole other level. Uh, obviously, you know, I mean, he's, phenomenal pitcher or was but um yeah there's you get those kind of little moments where you you see people and how they really are like i you know i hated pedro you know i was a yankee fan i couldn't stand that dude and then you get around him and you're like whoa this dude is awesome and you could learn so much from him you know um it's really interesting eric one interesting thing kind of going back to the michael buboy thing 
um, and you guys alluded to it on the show, so I don't think I'm pulling the curtain back, but his people sent a note that basically said, you know, you guys need to say 95% about sports. And this guy <laughs> is like known for one thing, which is the music. And obviously his agency was right because we had, those were great conversations, right? The hockey conversation was great and talking about his fancy football. And, and he clearly um, either was prepped on the show or does truly consume things about the show. He had a yeah. lot of nuances to the show, but um I've worked on the show for eight years and there have been times and I'm sure it happens more that, that I don't know about where kind of a, a bigger name will come on and you'll get from their agency. Like, and Dan again, talked about it, like those rules of what you can do and what you can't do. And usually it's funny because the person who's on the show doesn't know that those rules were set forth. Yeah. That uh, it is interesting because PR people are like, you know, they're, they're trying to do their job. Right. And they're trying to cover their client as best they can and set him up or him or her up for success. Um, but a lot of times they do. It does feel like people will go overboard and they're like, you know, Dan was laughing about it today on the show where he was just like, hey, uh, don't mention the party in Vegas. All right. Or whatever. And you're like, what party in Vegas? Like now we want to ask them about the party in Vegas because we had never heard of it. So sometimes uh, you know, like agents or PR people or marketing person will sort of put their foot in their mouth a little bit like that. Um, this was an example of like, hey, let's not get too loose. I think that they were just it was a request, not like a demand, you know, and they're like, hey, like, let's just try and keep it to sports because probably nobody ever asked him about sports, you know, and it'd be really nice to do that instead of like the same old tired questions that he probably gets asked in every interview. So I, I, I get that. Um, and actually, when you get an email like that, the Buble interview, we're already kind of like, well, I don't know. All right, let's just see what we get. You know, maybe it'll work. And then you get that interview and or that email and we're like oh crap like dude really are we gonna waste our time with this like 10 minutes and but and then he comes on and he's just like an absolute rock star you know no pun intended but he was awesome he was phenomenal a great interview um that's that's always sort of a nice surprise but you know what though i think part of the key with it is too though and i know that dan i think that dan is kind of known for his interviews right um and being a great interviewer but he he, there are times that I'm like, damn, dude, look at this dude. Like he just, he knows how to get on the level with somebody right off the bat. And I see it time and time again, especially in person, you know, like you'll get some, uh, like a great basketball player come in. Right. And the, him and Dan are meeting for the first time. And it's like, Hey, what's up DP? Hey man, how you doing? And the guy's like, Hey Dan, how you doing? Or whatever. I'm just trying to hit a 15 footer. And like already he's speaking basketball language of like, Oh, this guy's a shooter you know, or, oh, this guy or whatever. And he has a way of doing that. He did that with Michael Buble today where the, he does an intro. It's a really nice intro. It's like, hey, you sold 75 million albums. You're like awesome and all this stuff. But are you over the 94 Stanley Cup yet? And he immediately went into fan mode, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he's already like, oh, OK, we're cool. Like, we're going to have a great time if this is where we're starting off. And I, how much do you hate Mark Messier? Like all of that stuff is like childhood fandom that's ingrained in you. And he Dan immediately set him like nice and easy, like, okay, cool. No, we're just, we're just bros talking. You know what I mean? Instead of I'm the interviewer, you're the singer, you're the celebrity guy, you know, I'd, I'm always really impressed with Dan's ability to do that. He's, it, it really sets him apart as an interviewer. Could you recall a interview or a guest that they came in and it kind of went the opposite way where they, there was all these restrictions and rules and, you know, they weren't really willing to play along with what we do on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there are sometimes like people come in with like, uh, it's almost usually the more people that are traveling with the person, 
the more difficult the interview is going to be. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, you know, like they have an like, entourage. Yeah. Like sometimes I get it. You know, sometimes you got to travel with a lot of people. I totally get that. But that's almost that's usually an indicator like, whoa, they're like 12 deep in the green room right now. Like, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go, you know, um, so that that's happened. There have been some other times that people have come in that I don't know that necessarily they were in the right state. <laughs> uh, a little loopy and like, well, I don't know if we should put this person on the air right now. Um, and you know what? It's funny. Uh, you know who didn't really vibe the first time he came in, and then ever ever since then, it's been uh, sort of like a running joke with them is Bill Burr, the comic. Yeah, first time Bill Burr came in, him and Dan, like it didn't really seem like they were clicking. Like, I don't know that they got each other's senses of humor, and then mm-hmm. like Bill Burr's like, Why wow, you're really mad at me right now, or like what it, it, they just didn't seem to find that rhythm that sometimes you get, um, which was kind of interesting because I thought that they were going to be like, Bye we're best friends yeah Um, but i mean they figured it out you know um but that was kind of an interesting one eric you talk about entourages um one of my jobs while we were in new york was i would always get the guest and their entourage from the street upstairs and uh you're right i mean sometimes it would be like it would come in three or four waves and they've got like four cars outside and they're promoting a movie and you got people from the 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 movie um the distributor and the production company and the agency and i mean this just would be crazy but on the flip side i don't know if you remember but keanu reeves when he came in dude came alone he was like shook put his hand right out and was like got my name remembered it the whole time he wanted to go outside and smoke a heater and so i was like okay so before his his appearance we're outside on the street just like you know smoking heat. i don't smoke heaters but i was like i almost want to light one just for the story you know um yeah. but like we're just sitting there and i mean i don't know if you remember his appearance but i mean he was just he was awesome the keanu interview is like one of the best ones we've ever had that was that was awesome. That was like one of the best days. He came in, he's wearing like a black suit. Dude looks like a million bucks. And you're like, wow, that is definitely Keanu Reeves right there. Like, that's amazing. He was super cool. Um, but he's known as one of those guys in Hollywood that's just like super nice, right? Like he, but it wasn't there that story that he bought like everyone in the crew from the Matrix uh, motorcycle or something like that. Like 300 He, g- he gave them all like a percentage of his like, uh, the back end of his check or something too, like all the makeup people, something and- crazy like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he's known as just like being a really like decent guy or like a generous guy for sure. And just a really nice guy. Um, and it was nice to see that sort of play out, you know, in our little world too. So we're joined by Seton O'Connor 1215 club. See, and as the year kind of comes to an end here and you kind of look back on this Dan Patrick show 3.0, what would you say you're most proud of? that we've done this year in this kind of new version of this show. It's sort of the home, the take home version of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, more so like we're independent of like a corporation. Now we don't like, we don't have AT&T kind of, we're doing it on our own. Everything's in house to say yeah. since yeah. that transition, I guess in February, I think sort of like the uh, resiliency of the show um, and all of the crew members, you know, to to be able to because just leaving um, a massive company like AT&T is one challenge enough and sort of going independent is a huge challenge. That's like a major undertaking that Dan took on and then we all supported him in. But then to also do it in 
a global pandemic <laughs> that nobody saw coming <laughs> with all of this crazy stuff. It's like, dang, all right, like, let's just keep rolling with the punches. And then now here we are at the end of the year where, uh, you know, I'm home, you know, Dan's there, Todd's there. Paul's got two houses going where he's got multiple <laughs> setups that he could do the show from. Like, and you, you guys are, have figured out the best way to operate, whether you're home or in studio too. Um, everybody's picking up extra work and it's like, the quality of the show, at least from my perspective, is still pretty great. So, I mean, that I would say, like, if I was to put it all in in one word and just have it be that sort of resiliency of 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 the show and and of every the whole crew has been awesome and just really rewarding to be a part of, you know, and to to work as, as a group and like, all right, let's figure this whole thing out and and make it work has been pretty. It's been pretty awesome. It's been a fun year, actually. In to take away all of the obviously the challenges and like struggles that everybody's having but from a professional standpoint i like the, those challenges and projects and trying to figure out new things you know i hate getting like bored or complacent or like let's just go through the motions or let's do the same thing every day i like shaking things up so from that aspect it's actually been pretty cool yeah i mean there's a certain like boutique feel to it i feel now like you said, it's not this big, massive corporation where you have a crew out in L.A. Everybody's kind of under the same roof. And it's like that camaderie. We, I feel like we, I feel at least like we've built that camaraderie. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as it's as close to it's as close to feeling like we did in the attic than I can remember. Right. The, it, when we were all in the attic and all that, there was only th- four of us, maybe or three of us in the attic. Something, you know, Dan, Paul, me, Todd. And then uh, one of our old like production assistant dudes was in there. Um, and that was like a real us against the world feel, you know, where we were just trying to make it on air every day and figure out how the hell we were going to do this and flying by the seat of our pants. It kind of felt like that. And then, um, you know, getting into the new, the, the old new studio uh, over by the seven seas, that was like a whole different era, but it didn't, it, it was cool and it was in like this awesome time of growth, but it didn't have the same feel necessarily as the attic did. This feels closer to the attic where we're just figuring things out again and kind of going as, as along as taking the hits as we, as they come, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're the camaraderie thing for sure is there. And I mean, that's part of what makes it all work, you know, Eric. It's like the attic, except there's 20,000 square feet. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's a little different. Attic and vibe only, not an actual square footage, for sure. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. It was like the irony of that. It was like the attic was such a small space, and that's what kind of created that camaraderie. And now we're in such a big space, but it's taken that to kind of revert to it. Eric? Right. There's one little thing, Seton, that I've put a lot of thought into is like, I don't know if we hadn't built this studio and I think of things in a different way because studio like that was my project and all that stuff. But like if we hadn't come here and we were still at the old space and then the pandemic hit, I don't know that we could have done the TV show out of that old space like we're doing here. And certainly there would be zero social distancing. So, I mean, a huge blessing, uh, I think, because I don't again, I don't think there was room there to build a control room. And there certainly wasn't room to build a socially distant control room for sure. Dude, you know what? That is a fantastic point. It really is. That's, that's a great point that, right, if, if we were still at the old studio, it's possible that we're not doing the show anymore. I mean, it really is possible that, or maybe it's just a radio show and there's no video 
portion of it. You know, there's a million ways that could have gone in. I don't want to get in. I can't get, I don't think we could get too uh, behind the curtain on this or whatever. Um, but if you think about, and I'm sorry, this is going to be a little inside and, and listeners might not get this, but I know that you guys will certainly, you will, Eric, for sure. If you think about the last two or three years and all of the stars that had to align for us to get this new studio that we're in now, this this mega warehouse studio, right, that we're in. It's not like there was just like one day Dan said, hey, let's build a new studio. There were all of these other dominoes that had to fall before we got this studio. And then we end up in the studio just as at and like, all right, well, see you guys later, which is then just as for before this pandemic hits, it's like, dang, you know, dude, I'd never thought of that, how all interconnected, like two or three years worth of stuff is in order to get us right here to this moment. That is wild. I'd never thought of that. But it there is were wild. like bosses coming and going oh. and then people approving things and then not approving things. And then are we going with this company or that company? Or is Dan just going to do it? And whatever. All of these different things happened over two or three years that that got us here, man. That's wild. And then as a credit to, to you guys who create the content of the show to, you know, we signed the radio deal before, like literally 10 days before the economy got shut down. Yeah. And then... Uh, two months or a month and a half in, into it shut down we get this uh visual um deal right long-term deals and yeah. people weren't and still aren't getting new content deals right in the middle of the pandemic and it's a credit to you guys the quality of content that you create that you know there's still a demand for the content that you guys create every day um even in the middle of a global pandemic so um but you're right yeah it is comical to think about um all of those different dominoes, um, you know, from the top down and the financial impact of all that stuff. Um, it really, Crazy. the stars aligned for sure. Oh my God, dude, you ain't kidding, man. Crazy. Yeah. Well, we're grateful. We're grateful that we're all still together. We're still doing the show. Uh, it's been a fun year. Ah, well, maybe not <laughs> fun, probably the wrong word, but it's been an interesting year and, you know, yeah. Glad that we're all still in it together. See, and we want to thank you for your time for joining us today. After doing three hours, you sat another half hour with us. So thank you for being yeah, so no, generous with your time. I uh, I love talking to you guys, man. It's a ton of fun. Mario, good to have you back in the saddle there. Happy to have you back at work. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is fun. So I look forward to doing it again. Thanks, man. Have a good all weekend. Right. See you, buddy. Always fun having Seaton on. And I feel like it's always a really good conversation with him. He He gets it. He always just gets it. Um, so this week we also had Todd's pie situations, which in the moment I had completely forgot about because I'm listening to. So how it happens is I call in in the morning. There's like a party line slash eight way call going on where the behind the scenes crew can kind of communicate with each other. And I heard all this commotion about, yeah, make sure that the camera's outside and make sure um, it's ready outside. You got to bring the wires outside. And I was like, what is going on? And I didn't remember that Todd had to take a pie for his Cowboys bet until it was happening. Eric, how does that go? Is there just pies on deck in the man cave? Um, did you, were you prepared a prior? Because even when they had made the bet, you weren't physically in studio. You were listening over the radio. So kind of what's that process like? Yeah, so I had to leave uh, for an appointment on Tuesday. So I left around 1130 Eastern. So it was the last half hour of the show. I listened uh, in my car on the way to the appointment. And um, 
so I heard the bet happen. And so um, I texted Dylan actually, cause we all pretty much always have pie crusts on standby. And this all goes back to the uh, Seton pie uh, when he had to take those five uh, hidden pies to the face where it was a several week long process, uh, including the JJ five pies of 2016. Nobody will ever forget. Of course. Yeah. It really kind of cemented my place in, in Dan Patrick show uh, history here, but, um, but no, so we've always just had a pie crust or two here. Um, and pie filling too, because it really doesn't go bad. Um, and we had bought because um, Seton actually is still owed two pies. And I hope if he's listening mm-hmm. to this, he remembers that we have not forgotten about those pies. Um, so I just texted Dylan. I said, just make sure we have everything. And I guess the um, kind of the aerosol whipped cream that we had bought for the Seton pies had expired. So, and we didn't want to have Todd eat expired whipped cream because that would turn into Maybe. a whole because you know he'd situation. Eat. Oh you yeah, need to eat the pie. Yeah, it's him and Penny confirmed. out there licking the parking lot after <laughs> off, off the asphalt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, um, yeah. So uh, Dylan just had to go pick up uh, uh, some whipped cream, and I was like, "There's no way that he's not going to lose his bet." So he, we got it the day before because we're like, "He's definitely losing this." Um, but then, yeah, in terms of like, because that's the interesting thing, we have like. When it gets into March Madness and stuff, we have that whiteboard in the back that we try to write down all the bets on. And even yeah. Marvin, anytime I hear something, um, I just say to Marvin on the headset, like, hey, write this down, or, you know, this is the bet with the caller, because there's all these different callers and, it, you know, these call in and they want to make bets. Long bets. And yep. the guys take them. And then, and of course, the callers aren't going to let you forget if, if they won. But then if we, won, if we won, then we need to be able to say, all right. Jimbo and Kimbo, you know, like, let's go. Yeah, and, the bets uh, are, like, really, like, they're really long-term. It's like Bronny James will be uh, a six-time All-Star by the time he retires. It's like, well, Bronny James is still in high school, so <laughs> let's calm down there, Steve. Uh, if uh, We can all hope the show is still going on in order to pay that bet off. So you're the director of the show, typically. What's the difference like uh, watching the show opposed to listening to it? Uh, yeah, it's definitely different um, because – I'm so used to hearing the show and then trying to create a visual representation of that. Right. So if Dan starts talking about a particular topic, it's, Hey Dylan, do we have a graphic about that? Or Hey weeks, do, can we go get, you know, some memorabilia around the studio? So I'm sitting there and in my head, I'm like, all right, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Um, but it also is interesting because you have to focus on, the words they're saying, and there's nothing to distract you visually. And obviously I was driving, so there was that part of it. But, um, you know, I was really focused on the sound quality and and the guys joining from Zoom and how did that sound over the radio. Um, but it really does, it, it's a different experience. Um, and it's my job to try to make the visual experience as good as possible, but I still have some responsibility of the audio stuff too. So it was interesting to hear um, how that is. Uh, on the radio, which I think is how most people uh, consume the show, either by podcasts or over the radio. Or radio, yeah. Dill? Um, Eric, I think the real answer to that question is one of them you can hear and one of them you can see and hear. Now back to you in the studio. <laughs> Dylan, I don't know what we'd do without you, man. It's answers Just here for like clarity, that. Mario. Answers like that that really put things in perspective for me, at least for me. I try. You did go to the Harvard of the West. so Yeah, don't forget it. That he did. I think that's all we got this week. It's good to be back, even though I'm not physically in studio. I'm the only one in the tw- out of the 1215 boys that isn't in studio. So I do feel a little bit left. Accident? Out. 
Oh, that's awkward. Coincidence? I, think, of it like I that. think not. I kind of, I really missed the Peruvian chicken today. Oh yeah, I know. Penny is losing it. She's still looking at my plate of chicken, <laughs> and she's just whining. So hopefully it wasn't too distracting for those. Of Mario, I'll, I'll bag some up and bury it in the front yard. You can come get it though. Go for a hole. Dylan, I know I can always rely on you, whether it's to clarify something or bury food for me. So thank you. I'm all over the place. <laughs> That's all we got this week. Thank you for listening to the 1215 Club. It is my Ariel. Fun to be back. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Dylan. Marvin, we're thinking of you. Stay well. Have a good weekend, everyone.